0: Welcome to another episode of Breakaway from the Rat Race. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Brandon Schwab. Uh, He's he's in a very interesting space that I've always been interested about and intrigued by. Uh, And he's the CEO of Boutique Senior Living Fund and uh, Shepherd Premier Senior Living. So Brandon works every day to change senior living industry. Uh, He has been an entrepreneur since the age of 15, uh, and he brings like 20 years of experience actually operating Shepherd Premier Scene Living and uh, since its founding in 2014. So it's been around for quite a while. And Brandon has a new model uh, that uh, he wants to share with us. I've always been interested in that from the real estate perspective and then kind of how to partner with some operators out there. So I'm very happy to have you on the show, Brandon. Welcome. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. So tell us a little bit more about kind of like uh, so you've been you've been in that industry for a while and senior living industry. And I think I think a lot of pe- there's a lot of things out there that people don't know. So, I mean, I'm always confused about senior living, assisted living, assisted, nursing yeah. home, uh, you know, all, and I'm, there's probably more that yeah. that uh, that I don't know about. But can you can you kind of enlighten us about all these different categories and what the impact is?
1: Yeah. So if you think about the industry, the industry has different pieces to it. So if you look at senior living, that is all of that, right? Mm -hmm. And then under all of that, then they have different, they have different classes in there that describe different pieces of it that kind of help give you an idea of aging and as you are able to get older and have to have extra help it is able to end up just going up up and so mm. so and up so i think the first phase in all of this would be active adult that's a 55 area and over and then once you kind of age out of that you would go to an independent type of living that they are able to help you take care of food, but you are, you are on your own, right? Okay. Yeah. When you qualify for assisted living is going to be when you need help with two activities, every, and you have to, you have to have help with those, right? Okay. That you cannot do those on your own. Okay. And yeah. that's the area that I have been focusing on for about eight years. Okay. And once you get past Assisted living. There is a couple other pieces to it um, that I don't do as much. But I, um, when all, when all, when you get infected with all, all, um, all timers, that is going to be an elder piece. That there are going to be places that only care for folks that are pretty, pretty advanced with that. Yeah. And a nursing home is kind of the end of the slick road that is when you are going to go there when you basically don't have any of your own funds left and you're going to go there when they're going to take care of you however i'll tell you that's not a very good place to be if i can tell anyone don't if you are able to to do anything help it is to don't don't if you can don't turn old and if you do have tons of funds to to get awesome care because if you don't the final ending place isn't a very good
0: place to go mm-hmm.
1: so that's and the th- overview of all of that
0: yep. yeah yeah and i think in terms of operation i think assisted living so if we uh, we're talking about like fairly small kind of like i mean you can have obviously bigger operations but uh, the, the space that you're in right now, uh, what are some of the, the facility, the size of facilities that you that you operate and, and fund?
1: Sure, so when I first got exposed to this industry, I was in a building that had about 200 plus people in it. Right. Wow. It had an odor to it. I hated the atmosphere. I hated, people were asking for help over and over and I just hated the odor. I was like, ugh, like get it off of me. Well, I found out that the odor was happening because people did not get awesome care. They didn't get good care because the caregivers that are in there were um, able to take care of 20 to 30 people. So that's one of the things I figured out quickly is if you don't offer good care, that's because the owners of it are trying to cut expenses and they are doing it where they're cutting the expense of their highest cost, which is going to be offering care. And our, family member had a really bad experience there. Like they didn't offer very good care. We pulled the pull cord button to get help. And it took them like 25. I had to actually, I had to, I had to end up having to go out there to talk to them, to get all of them to come in to help him. And Uh it was, it was just a terrible, it was a terrible first experience of the overall industry. So a that's what I would consider the traditional type option today that i think if anyone thinks of the overall industry i think people would think of that right
0: yeah
1: fast forward 10 years later i was down in florida and i got exposed to a five person home in a actual home so i don't use the f word to describe it i call it a i call it a so, so i call it a home because the because it is. Yeah. Um, All of our homes have anywhere from ten people in it to about twenty people okay. each home. Um, yeah. Our average home is anywhere from five thousand feet. Um, our average is probably eight thousand feet, and the highest I have is about eighteen thousand. Yeah. The eighteen thousand foot, I don't know if I would do that house over, but I would say a perfect um, size for um, 16 people it's probably about 8500 to 10,000 feet
0: okay so these are p- pretty big pretty big homes. when I was looking at the um, at that space before my idea is that I would partner up with someone that would handle the operations and sure. then I would provide the, the real estate and rent it to them I would basically uh, depending on what what level you're at assisted living or we were looking more at assisted living kind of uh, situation. Uh, sure. At that level, uh, you know, we were looking for a house, for maybe around like uh, with four bedrooms, five bedrooms, and then that way right. they would be able to put either one person per room or or two people per room sometimes. Right. And then they would have a caregiver that would take care of them and all of that. Yeah. Obviously, you had to, but 5,000 square feet is a pretty big home at this point, sure. uh, right? So yeah. um, so it's not that many, but it would be a beautiful home potentially. I mentioned, yeah. but um, okay, uh, do you have, uh, yeah, so that, that was kind of like my, uh, the thinking at the beginning, I would kind of like provide the real estate, handle the real estate piece of it and build it to their need, to my uh, partner's need. Um, right.
1: So a thing that I kind of found is the homes that have like five people in it, that's your typical owner operator. That's a person that has a um, healthcare type past they're yeah. in there, they're doing everything themselves. They're working 70, 80 hours per week. They're in there doing that. Yeah. I didn't have that experience. And I just really felt that like I could not duplicate that. I felt that five beds was just kind of too tiny. Yeah. Um, when you operate an actual, when you operate an actual that has overhead you need a bit extra income coming in to offset the overhead piece of it, yeah, right? Yeah. So with five people, I found that you were able to cover all of your expenses with about the third person. And yeah. then, uh, so like you would earn on person four and five. Okay. Um, when you go up to 10 beds, you can cover your expenses with six people and mm-hmm. then you are able to earn on four people. So mm-hmm. I really just felt that, um there are people out there that have homes that are five to eight. I decided quickly that that isn't for us. Yeah. We wanted to get into a space where the houses could be of a size that they could kind of cover their own plus yeah. pay into a a overhead account of 10% percent of their total income. And in order to do that, you need four, five, ten homes really, to do that. Cause I think the overhead team to properly open up these houses, is pretty expensive. I think you'll have yeah. an overhead team that'll be five to $600,000 per year. And yeah. if you have that over a five person house, it just doesn't add up. Right. Yeah. So I kind of found that out the like hard way. And I tried to do everything internally as cheap as I could, but I finally figured out that I needed to hire the proper talent yeah. that, it took to actually operate
0: these homes properly. Okay. So, what is uh, if if you can walk us through then kind of like what your your typical house? Maybe we can start with five five thousand square foot home. And yeah. kind of uh, does your so you have two two companies two LLCs basically? You have your boutique senior living fund. Uh, and then you have your uh, Shepherd Premier Senior Living, right? So, that's so What what what's the difference between the two? How do they work together? And then, how does a deal come together with, let's assume that now you want to invest in a five thousand square foot home?
1: Sure. So, for our past eight years, I have done it where I have purchased homes and I turned them into this purpose, which is the hardest way and takes forever right? So what I found was our holding time is anywhere from about 12 months to about 18 months before it began turning and earning, okay? Okay. Um, So one of the things that I've done is I've gone through everything to figure out how to go do it. Um, And we currently have five homes up and operational. We have two homes opening up by end of quarter three here. And then I've got 7.2 acres of land that we are going to be able to build on that is going to open, it's going to build our own assets. So our finance company is there, it's a fund, and that fund is $25 million. That fund is going to give capital to our OPCO, and our OPCO will actually be able to use it to purchase homes that have properties that are either up and operational or to purchase and be able to open up homes out of the 7.2 acres of land. So what we're doing is we are using that capital to expand, but then soon as it's up and operational, we do take out financing to pay those funds back to our fund to keep turning. So our fund will target areas of the country. So I don't, so I can't go I cannot go coast to coast. It has to be like in this area. And I tend to target areas where there isn't as many of these homes Um, down in Florida. There's 1800 of these homes, California, there's 2,800 Arizona, there's 3000 Texas, there's 15,000. So I think to ourselves, why the hell would I go there? Like it's, if you are fine with, Caring for people and earning thirty five hundred dollars per person, go ahead, go for it. So knock yourself out. I tend to focus on areas where they have the elder count population, but they don't have as many of these homes there. So in the area that I'm at, there's fifty five compared to eighteen hundred. I can charge you know six thousand to eight thousand, and our typical five thousand foot house it is going to typically have a, about four privates for so like one person each. Yeah. And then it will have three bedrooms that will have two people. each. Okay. So I only do homes that are 10, 16, or about 20 per home. Those are okay. like the three options. I don't do anything else. And I don't do anything over the 20 beds because I okay. don't want to for the point to earn dollars, I don't feel like changing our concept just to earn extra money. We yeah. are doing this to how it ought to be, but our aim is, is to open up hundreds of these homes, thousands yeah. of these homes that I can, I can get there by doing a whole ton of the homes and only having 10 to about 20 people per home. I feel that if you go beyond 20, you really are gonna lose that home feel And Mm -hmm. that's critical for us. We aren't going to ever do that where there's a bunch of the other operators that own these big 100 to 200 type places. They did that to earn extra money. And what happens is as you get too big, you kind of forget why you're doing it and you just chase (laughs) and earning money. And we are very purposeful to do what is right. Mm -hmm. And we feel that everything else will follow afterwards right but yeah, it's a very different
0: different product definitely yeah. that that you offer i mean it's a single family home it's uh it's a big home you can probably i mean these uh, these are these people are mobile i mean they can they can walk around or in a neighborhood and all that kind of stuff so
1: we right? typically build them where they can go outside but they would have yeah. to go outside with a person in the house okay. so i mean all of the homes that I have are, is going to be AL care plus AL plus where they're entering the all the phase for all timers, but it hasn't fully kicked in yet. Okay, um, and, and, and that's kind of who we typically take care of. I think the average person that's in our home is 80 to 85 years old. Female counts for about 90% of them. Okay. And um, yeah, so that's who we are able to take care of. In our past eight years, we've cared for like hundreds of people. And I think the average time people are in our homes is about 3.2 years. And what is great is that people can come to all of our homes and that's the end for them, where they can be in our homes till their time here is up. They don't have to go elsewhere. They don't have to get picked up at right before they are able to end their final chapter and have to go elsewhere like that's a terrible yeah. time to ask anyone yeah. to have to pack things up you know yeah. yeah so all of our homes are are built where people that exit all their homes they they exit to because they are able to go up um, so that's yeah. kind of how things are that's kind of Okay. How things are able to go here,
0: they go up. Uh, so, what which market? So, if uh, so, you're you're raising money for your boutique senior living fund. Um, so, what, yep. which market do you invest and uh, you buy these these homes and all that kind of stuff?
1: So, a thing that I do is I focus on a particular MSA until I have about thirty homes per MSA. Okay, and Chicagoland is our First one, we are focusing here because it's, there isn't as many of these properties here. It's an open opportunity. We can go open up homes and be the only person out here doing it, right? That's a huge opportunity. After (laughs) Chicagoland, we'll probably either go down to Indy. Uh, We've got a handful of other MSAs, but they're all in areas where it's typically colder where I feel like the elderly think, or that people think that the elderly go where it where it is warm, but I would argue with them, but after that they also go where their grandkids are at too. So yeah. they keep close to their own kids too. Yeah. So I focus and keep as close as possible to those kids and help them.
0: Okay. So. sounds good. And then the acquisition process, is that the ops that decide, the ops group that decide we need to go and uh, we're ready for another house or something like that? Or did they acquire the house or did they have, did they rent the house from from, uh, someone else?
1: No. So our
0: ops team,
1: I am in charge of that piece of it for our ops team. That's probably the only piece that I actually do for the ops team. I was at So so I was able to exit the day-to-day operations back in August of 2021. Um, And then I really only focus on being able to purchase homes, um, funds, capital, all of that for all that. And then I tend to buy in areas where we have other homes at just so it can be as efficient as possible. So I'm taking a 200-bed efficient operation. And I'm cutting it up. So I'm basically making it very inefficient. So the only way that I can add those back is I can keep them close to each other, as close as possible. I've got three properties here currently that are about five to 10 minutes from each other that are close to a hospital, right? I tend to pick areas that have a household income of over $80,000. And then I also target areas where the population percentage over 65 is over 10 to 12%.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. And then you would, acquire, you would acquire these properties, then you would do the rehab to fit your needs as an assisted living?
1: Yeah, so I have been doing that for our past eight years. Um, as I told you briefly, probably before the call, we also bought 7.2 acres of yeah, land yeah, that right, yeah. is next to 5,500 homes that are all 55 plus. So that's active adult. And, and as I just told you, I tend to target towns that have a population 65 older that are 10 to 12%, right? Okay. This yeah. town that I have is over 30% 65 or older. Wow. So we are also entertaining building our own homes. We are yeah. also doing other things where we would if a competitor is in an area and have the type of asset that I would um, like, I would come in and help them exit, even if their occupancy is at 50%. -hmm. So typically these properties are gonna go up for sale and they would base it off of the income. Well, if it is an earning income, then you really are gonna buy it just off of the asset and we would purchase them as well. So that's easier because I could have cash flow. Up front and we could get that cash flow in and do takeout financing faster than the typical 12
0: to 18. So are these, these are single family homes. Are they considered like, because you're using them as assisted living, are they considered like a business? Do you get a commercial loan then at that point?
1: Yeah. So okay. when they, when they are up and operational, they would be considered a, you would pull a business commercial loan. Yes. Because okay they would use an income based appraisal and the yeah. income based appraisal is gonna take the annual NOI divided by the industry cap rate. And yeah, our yeah, yeah. And yeah. our industry cap rate goes anywhere from six
0: up to 10%. Wow. So you can, you could take technically a single family home and then you do your rehab. And then all of a sudden yeah. your valuation goes from here to there and then you refi yeah. at the commercial. Think, well, yeah.
1: So a thing, that I find is I'll typically put about like $1 million into each house on average, up to about 1.2 kind of average. The highest I put in is over 3 million. I would not do that one over though. Um,
0: And when it's done- That's the acquisition. That's acquisition or acquisition and renovation?
1: No, that's the acquisition and. So typically I'll buy for 500, but then I'll put $500,000 into it. Oh, wow. um we don't cut corners at all um and in fact if i am so if i am if anything i probably go overboard yeah yeah <laughs> where I, so i feel like the people that are in these homes ought to have the top options possible and i feel like if i cut corners that i am hurting them and i hate that idea so yeah so so i don't typically do that by any means
0: okay so, if people want to um, kind of like invest with you, or they have uh, a single-family rental that's five thousand square foot or whatever, uh, that's just a residential and stuff like that. So, how, how do they? How do they work with you? What are the different ways that investors like myself and others can can work with you?
1: Well. Um there's a bunch of different avenues. I think the first one is if you are a qualified, a credited investor, you you can always invest in our fund. Um, You could call our office of 847-380-8624. If you have a piece of property, that's over 5,000 feet. I think those are so hard to find. It probably isn't a very big piece of your audience. because it's hard to find a true 5,000 foot house on a very first floor only. They just don't build a whole ton of them, right? So that's probably a tinier percentage of folks that are on here to hear this. But I think if folks have capital, if it's in a IRA, if they are concerned about inflation eating up all of their earnings, or if they got killed in the crypto, I think people today are interested in investing their capital into a asset class that can handle a, when things get tough, right? They're also interested in parking the capital into an asset that actually has an asset back behind there, a yeah. actual tangible asset where they can go touch it, feel it go in there. Cause people are always going to have to have housing. I think that yeah. that is accurate. Yeah. But if you combine the, the actual tangible asset plus the healthcare piece that we are in an aging population where the folks over 65 of age are actually over the total population of folks that are under. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't hear me there, you ought to, because we are in a time where the population is that, that controls the bulk of the assets through this whole country, cash capital, all of that. They are older now and they expect to get great care. So if any if anyone has capital in a IRA, um, capital elsewhere that isn't earning them uh, the type of ROIs to keep up with with inflation of eight point five percent that they are able to keep on telling mm-hmm. us, which is eight point five percent, which is not what it actually is. I think it's higher. I think if if you aren't earning ten to twelve oh, yeah, percent, you are actually going to be. So I target to, to give our investors, those type of, of, we target that IRR of yeah. like 12 to 15 to help them get to have the cash that they do have earned to expand that by the time that they actually are going to need it, that yeah. is going to be able to that is going to do awesome for you, right? Okay. And that's kind of how we were able to do that, where folks that would fit into our fund, they could be part of that. I do have deals sometimes that don't fit our fund. Okay. Yeah. And when that's able to happen, I typically have to uh we will send, we will syndicate each on its own, where we'll do a deal-by-deal deal type basis. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get away from that just because it takes forever to do paperwork and push it through and do all the investors. Um, But I get that there's times where folks don't qualify for our fund, but I do have to have other avenues. Like Our fund is really geared towards purchasing purchasing, uh, companies that are up and operational, that have cash flow, even if they're only at 50% occupancy. And- being able to have, because it has good cash flow from the very first day, yeah. Where when I find deals that are awesome deals, I'm actually in a house right now that's 13,000 feet. Um, I just closed on it this past week, Tuesday, but I'm in it because what I found is when I have an, a um, huge empty house, our yeah. insurance is bonkers, it's like 1500 yeah. bucks per month. Yeah because they are terrified that things are able to happen. So what I find is as I open up these houses, it is actually cheaper for us to, our policy for insurance is down to like 300 each month because all of us are in here every day versus having it empty. So we have opportunities um, like that. And um, we are actively um, looking for folks that are interested in this because we feel like we are changing the industry we're changing how people think of the elder care industry. Cause I think if you think of it previously, people think of hundred to 200 beds. And I just kind of feel like that, how it's been done for the past 15, 20, 30 years, isn't how it ought to be done going forward. I just feel like it's kind of like if you would compare it to anything, it's like the taxi, it's like the taxi where it's like an old ancient type system. They really didn't do anything to keep things up to date. Yeah. And I feel, and I feel like we are the Uber that's using technology, changing the industry that's doing everything that everyone used to do, but I'm doing it in a way to use technology to truly change it.
0: Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. So, and the minimum investment for that fund is like, was a million dollar, right? Yeah. We, we target our fund for, we target
1: family offices. Yeah. Okay. And oftentimes family offices don't want to invest anything under about $10 million. Yeah. And when I first began calling on, on them, I was like, why aren't they talking to me? Well, because, so I was only asking for 200 or $500,000. Yeah. These guys don't do anything if it's under about $10 million because yeah. the time and effort it is able to take. So that's ideally who I so am interested in. This country has 6,000 family offices that have capital lower. They are looking for places to put it. So if anyone has an intro to a family office, um, I would be very interested in talking to because I kind of found that family offices are like that. I don't know how to describe it any better than like it's, it, it's like a giant fortress with like an 80 foot tall that you just can't get in if you don't have a person on the inside to go, Hey, did you hear this guy? So on this podcast, I think he's onto something like to, to have the opportunity to invest in Uber before Uber turned into Uber would be huge. And these family offices would be totally interested. Now I get that that isn't for everybody, right? All, all folks don't have that, that those type of, of funds. We also have other opportunities where they can go to our page on the internet and they can go and create their own, um, their own investor account. So I do, I do have opportunities from time to time that folks don't have to put that in, but they have to, they have to, Go into that deal on its own. I feel yeah. our fund's great because our fund can buy 120 homes over five years. Yeah, where it's put over 120 homes. Where if you invest into a asset by itself, yeah. you kind of are counting on that asset to do good. Or if it doesn't, you you're kind of in there too.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: So that's kind of the pros and cons of kind of everything there.
0: You know. Yeah. I really like the fact also that you're doing your own, uh, like you have that piece of land that you can develop. I think that's at least you can build to suit like right from the beginning and uh, really design the community.
1: Yeah, so that's so that piece of dirt is actually touching 5,000 homes that are 5,500 homes that are all 55 plus. But it's cool because it's directly across from two competitors that are 100 to 200 people per place. And I love that because I am so close to them that people are going to go like, hey, if our option is here and there's six homes over here that have 20 beds in it each. Mm -hmm. hmm, So I will go talk to those guys. Like it's it's an easy comparison that those buildings are huge buildings. They put huge capital into them and they can't they cannot take them elsewhere. They cannot just pick them up. I mean, there is a building building. That was built five years ago. That back before COVID, price was fifty-five point eight million dollars for two hundred total beds. Yeah. So I can build one hundred and twenty beds with COVID prices for a hundred or for a twenty-five million dollars, which is forty percent. Yeah. Where we don't have the overhead that they do. We don't have yeah. all that corporate mm-hmm. bullshit that all these guys do. And it just puts us in a very good position because I can extract a good, a good care team and every person out of those buildings. Because if the care team has an option of, do I care for 20 to 30 people or five to eight? Which one do you think they are going to pick? Yeah, Five to yeah. eight, right? Yeah. Of yeah. course. Because mm-hmm. it's easy. Yeah. yeah, we All of us can do that because I'm putting... 35% of everything coming in towards the care team.
0: Yeah. So the, is, the fund is is lending the money to the operations group or are they purchasing the house? So what's what's the relationship? Is it like yeah. is it gonna lend is basically a lender on that property?
1: Yes, correct. Okay. So okay. a thing that was key that, that was one of the fears of our upfront, our upfront investors is that if you own the asset you have to own the asset underneath. So they are giving capital to us, which is the Opco. And our Opco is actually out purchasing the asset. Mm -hmm. But our fund has a first place on the home where if anything happens, they can take that back. That's really, really key because that's clean. Where if you play in both, you're exposed to healthcare or all the different things like I was advised Brandon if you do both that gets very unclear if anything is able to go to court you're going to have a hard time explaining that's two different companies yeah. this is this is clean 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 where yeah. the investors in order for us to hit the target investors for uh, or the target the target so IRR for investors, I had to think creatively of how could I get them? The average family office is um, looking for 12 to about 15.2% IRRs. They don't have to have 20, 30, all of that. That's typically the, the, the PE, the PE type guys. Those guys are crazy. If you are all of those guys, don't call me because that isn't a good fit for us. I can offer 12 to 15% backed by a asset, but a a thing that's really cool on this is that our fund gets to turn it two three times per year. So I can take that 25 million and I can actually go purchase 50 million to 80 million of total assets yeah. in a year. Mhm. So we can compound it because I'm purchasing properties that cash flow. I'm yeah. buying things, and that's what I'm doing. That's different than everyone else. Okay. In uh- a asset class that handled the 2008, it was a top asset class that handled the 2008. I have a study of the IRRs given to investors from 2005 to 2015, a 10 year period. Because I asked how does this asset class handle when things get tough? The 2008 Mm -hmm. crash told us that's how things are able to handle. And this was the top performing asset class offering investors an average of over 14% compared to apartments, office, all these other top asset classes that I feel like everyone talks on today. Mm -hmm. it almost 2X them. And it's funny because I feel like people don't really talk on this asset class anyways. I feel like they talk about the other ones, but I feel all people should have a percentage of their investment portfolio should have at least 10 to 20% in this asset class. Even if it isn't in ours, find out how to get into it because this is such a good asset class that's going to help you be able to balance things when they crash if yeah. if you think that typically crashes happen every 10 years we're basically 4 years overdue from the 2008 uh, the the just because things have been good yeah. and it is definitely coming so 10 to 20% in this asset class is a great place to be and i help family offices do that a average family office has about 300 total capital out there or total they have about two-thirds of it out in investments but it's always turning yeah so a third is a huge chunk of cash and i can help them put that out quickly
0: yeah that sounds good Yeah. Uh, so thank you for Brandon for all that uh, lots of information lots of things to absorb definitely um so what uh so if people want to get a hold of you where can they uh, can they reach you
1: um, you can always call our office. We are kind of old fashioned where that's probably the easiest way to get us where if you call our office, our, I've, I was able to hire a EA Victoria about six months ago and thing. That's awesome that I was able to do that to call to talk to her first, find a time to talk with me. Um, uh, yeah. the office phone was 868 Two, four. That's probably the easiest way I think you can go on our, our the the page on the internet. I'll throw that yeah. in yeah. the chat column, which is just.
0: Oh, you can just send it. Send it to me after the. Uh, the senior, thing. I'll add Added to the notes.
1: So, like living fun boutique okay. senior livingfund livingfun.com. com. That's okay. probably the easiest way because then you would create a account to invest, and in. that's the place that I post deals before I tell anyone else. I always put it up there first. Um, I give them about 10 days to figure out who's in or who's out, but I only do that first. Um, so for anyone that's thinking of to invest, that's probably the top place to go or call the office to talk to us.
0: Okay. Sounds good. Correctly. Thank you, Brandon yeah it was a pleasure speaking with you, I think I hope that some people are reach out to you, I I did have a few that had like a family office so maybe that's going to intrigue them and then they're going to reach out to you. Brandon Well,
1: thank you, I thank you for the opportunity, Um, it has been a
0: good it's been a good time. Okay, thank you have a good day
1: thank you for listening to break away from the rat race with your host eric martell if you want to share your story and experience with our listeners please message us on facebook at break away from the rat race also please subscribe to our youtube channel and our podcast on itunes